Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Heil, the Director of Communications and Public Policy here at the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter. Uh, if you've listened to past podcasts, which you can find on iTunes at ALS Philadelphia, you've heard from national staff like our President Barbara Newhouse, you've heard from legislators like State Representative Brian Cutler, you've heard from people with ALS like Matt Bellina and Karen Delaney Scheideloff, and you've heard many more perspectives on the disease. Uh, one thing that we're very proud of here at the Greater Philadelphia Chapter is our many uh, ALS Association treatment centers, or clinics, as people understand them easier. Uh, we have them at our Pennsylvania Hospital, at Hershey Medical Center, Lehigh Valley Health Network, and the Geisinger System, and where we serve up to 850 people, actually probably closer to 900 people, uh, living with ALS in, the, in our service area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. For those of you who don't know much about the statistics on ALS, people live generally two to five years with the disease. Some live 10 plus years, some live just a few months, unfortunately, after being diagnosed, but the average is two to five years. Our guest today um, has been working on the cause for between four and ten times that amount, working at the chapter and working on this cause for 20 years, uh, which is longer than I've done pretty much anything, except maybe drive. But that's because my dad started teaching me to drive when I was 14, which wasn't very legal. Um, so with that, I'm proud to join uh, Sue Walsh, nurse at the Hershey Medical Center Clinic, to talk about her many years of experience, what she's doing at the chapter, how things have changed, and you know what's going on specifically at Hershey Medical Center that makes it a great place to work and to continue the cause of fighting ALS. So, Sue, thanks for joining our podcast. Thank you so very much, Tony. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and also all of our patients that are listening in, patients and families. Of course, you make me feel really old. Um, you know, when I talk to patients and families, I tell them I've been around the barn, but now I'll be able to tell them that, uh, you know, I've been uh, doing things a lot longer than Tony's been driving. So thanks for that great introduction. Oh, well, I, I don't think that'll necessarily mean a lot to them. Um, but So we're going to go into a little background about you, but um, what you just said kind of makes a good point to me. You've been working on this cause for 20 years, and I imagine the state of ALS has changed since then, and, you know, the people you've met with in some ways have gotten younger, right, in terms of being diagnosed at an earlier age. Absolutely. When I first started working, um, the median age of diagnosis, of course, is for people in midlife in their 50s, and I was much younger than that, and now I'm much older than that. So that perspective, both from Dr. Simmons and mine, uh, he's about the same age I am. You know, we look at patients and we say that they're getting younger every, every time we make a diagnosis, and that's because we're getting older, and we've seen a lot more patients as we've gotten older. So, and... You and Dr. Simmons have been working at this basically same amount of time as a team, correct? Yes. Um, the chapter, the ALS Association, saw the need for uh, patient care delivery here in Harrisburg in the South Central area. At the time, there was only a support group that was offered in New Oxford by some very caring and supportive um, people. 
um, and they requested from the chapter to have more support here. I was actually one of the first outreach employees of the chapter, and they asked that I work in the Harrisburg area so that we can assess and provide um, better services for ALS patients and families here. Um, it was soon after that that I knocked on Dr. Simmons's door and asked him if we could begin to collaborate in providing care to our patients. And we saw what a fantastic job Dr. Simmons had done diagnosing our patients and breaking the news to them and the family that we, uh, we developed a collaborative effort. Um, and very soon after that, we established the clinic at the Hershey Medical Center. So we're coming up on tw over 20 years of an ALS clinic there, and we've been in a long-standing collaboration with Hershey Medical Center um, together to provide the best care for our patients and family. So you started in, what, 93 or 94? Well, I don't know the exact year, but it was 20 years ago, so about 94, that would be it. Because I remember, I think we celebrated it last year, your 20 years. Yes. We had a wonderful celebration of 20 years. It will be 21 this September. And I, working here, we always like to have any opportunity and reason to celebrate because there's always a lot of times to um, not necessarily be in a celebratory mood. Right. Uh, so, and you'd been a nurse for some years before then, right? Absolutely. This is, um, I was a... What I would say, I started very young. I was 20 years old when I first got my registered nurse, and so I've been at this for about 41 years now. Wow. I yes. I uh, was going to say you're even younger, Sue. So um, that's so you had experience with patient care, and you had had you had much experience with ALS before you came here, or was it like those kind of diseases yeah. you knew about? I actually had no experience with ALS prior to coming to work with our patients here at the chapter. I had been an intensive care nurse um, for 20 years, and I was a clinical nurse specialist. And my focus at the time was working with patients in the intensive care unit who were on long-term ventilation and working with the nurses and the families. I was really looking for a new opportunity to work with patients more long-term, and the chapter uh, had advertised for a nurse to work with patients on a long-term basis, and that's how I um, became in contact with um, the ALS disease and also the care needs of our families really fit with my experience in working with very complex um, care issues that our patients face. So I, I really say that my previous work experience and career really prepared me for everything that I really do with our patients and families. Um, everything from providing uh, ventilatory support to taking care of feeding tubes to making end-of-life care choices. It's just um, a bigger environment, and the things that I had done previously really translated very easily to this disease and the problems our patients face. So that's a wide breadth of why you were qualified then. It was... Um, as a nurse, the understanding of complex diseases, of uh, being able to help people with very a lot of medical issues, but also being able to talk to people um, about these difficult things and compassion and things like that. Because with ALS, especially in diseases like it, it's not just being able to explain things in a medical way and treating the disease. It's being able to be what a nurse should be in treating the whole person. 
Well, that's what we hope that we're able to provide both our staff in meeting with patients and families, but also particularly in our clinic where we have everybody looking at all the many aspects that we provide um, services for. It's trying to, to, to meet all the needs that the patients have. And that's been a hallmark of Hershey Medical Center, too. I, I was with a lot of people there recently, and, and we've met with a lot of people at Hershey Medical Center. Uh, another podcast with Dr. Connor, who's a researcher. Uh, we've done some videos with other research people at, at uh, Hershey Medical Center. Obviously, Dr. Simmons, Judy, Travis, uh, everyone there. It's, it's a real culture that exists at your hospital, right, that helps that everyone collaborate and work together so it's not just kind of people doing their jobs. Right, we have, we're really, really focused on a team effort um, and we see ourselves, um, what well, we call ourselves, we have a name for what we do and it's called the best care anywhere, combining research and compassion. So we really use that to describe what we do and it's also what guides us as we make decisions about how we approach what we do every day. We know that the demands of care for our patients are high, but we also know that to meet those needs, we have to work together to do that. So our research team um, sees our patients every time they come to clinic because we know our patients have told us how important knowing about research is um, at every one of their clinic visits. So. Our researchers are an integral part of our team, and we really worked hard to structure um, a way in which we really communicate and also feel that uh, we're working together in lockstep, um, and so the, we can maximize the kinds of things that we can provide to our patients. You know, this, the healthcare system is very, very, very complex. We look at each other every day and say, what? Do other patients and families do who don't have the support that the ALS Association provides? Just getting something ordered and paid through for, from equipment to um, expensive tests requires in real expertise and a collaboration between um, the therapists, the doctors, to working with collaboratively with the vendors in the community so that we can make things happen as quickly as possible for our patients. So it's it's just, we really feel that that's the hallmark of how we make this happen for our patients is to work together, whether you're a researcher or whether you're a respiratory therapist. And is the clinic of today the same as it was in the Clinton administration? Or, you know, ha has it changed a lot? And... and that's interesting because Dr. Simmons and I were just talking about that uh, after a very long clinic yesterday. You know, the basic approach of having a patient come into a clinic where they're seen by a group of different individuals periodically to assess what their progression is and also what their needs are has certainly been the, the standard and the core of what happens when patients come to clinic. I think that we recognize that the demands of care are very high and we continually try to say, okay, what, what is it that the patients feel that they need, not what we think that we should be giving them. 
And I think that that has really, um, our patients have taught us over time that we don't have to be the experts in providing care, that we really need to look to them and see them as individuals and what they are seeing as the most important thing in their care. And then we need to tailor what we can provide to them um, by coming to clinic. We are looking at increasing ways in which, with technology, we hope to be able to, you know, not require patients to come to us. We have a uh, pilot pro pilot project that we're looking at for telemedicine in hopes to in in the future to be able to do periodic um, visits in the patient's home so that um, we don't require patients, particularly as they become more um, debilitated or it's harder for them to come to us, we can provide the same level of care locally. So you know the. The care is the same, the intention is the same, but how we deliver it and um, what it looks like certainly has evolved and will continue to evolve as we move forward. So even back then, you knew that a collaborative interdisciplinary approach was best for ALS, but you've been finding more and better ways to make it collaborative and uh, bring in different disciplines to do it. someone only needs to see the respiratory therapist, for example, then that frees them up to see more patients, I assume. diagnosed and this is like episode 30 something of our podcast and it's not a topic we've discussed enough um, what's that newly diagnosed experience at Hershey Medical Center to have 
scheduled to be seen by Dr. Simmons or Dr. Wahisha for an evaluation within a two-week period because we know how anxiety-producing and how long our patients have been in the process of being evaluated already by the time they're seen by us. So we work really hard to get them seen fairly quickly. The patients are generally seen on a Thursday by Dr. Simmons. He starts very early in the morning so that he can see them and do their physical evaluation and meet with them. And then actually, if they require an EMG, they can do an EMG in that, that afternoon right there. So that we, the delay in diagnosing the condition, there is, no, there is not a delay in diagnosing the condition. If a patient is confirmed with the diagnosis, Dr. Simmons meets together with myself or Maureen Reed, our other nurse, so that we can be present with the family and the patient when they receive the news of the diagnosis. This is a very difficult time, and we want to be able to support the patients and families from the very beginning, and we think that this is a very critical time for us to communicate to patients and families that they're not alone in this and that they are connected to expertise and advice and services. And we really, you know, form a bond and a connection moving forward with the patients from that point. So you really, you start forming those connections right from the start, and I'm sure that you and Dr. Simmons and everyone there um, have gotten better at doing that over the last 20 years, right? You've, you've found techniques, and you don't have to go into all those, but um, I'm sure it doesn't get easy to do it because it's a tough diagnosis, but you've found ways to relay to people, make them feel comfortable and, you know, at, as at ease as possible in that very challenging situation. Well, you know, one of the cardinal reasons we came to work with Dr. Simmons is because Historically, families would always communicate the difficulty, the difficult situations they encountered with uh, physicians when they heard the news of their diagnosis. And that's not always been done well. And Dr. Simmons is really committed to making sure that the breaking of the news is done in a caring and supportive manner. And we've done extensive planning and review of the medical literature about how to structure that day so that we are very um, methodical in making sure that the patients have a safe environment, that it's private, that we arrange for lots of time for the patient to be heard and to be supported, and that we include family members in a way that we hope that they leave that appointment knowing that as difficult as this news is, that they experience a supportive, caring, trusting place for it to be received. So we have really worked on our technique and our the environment that the, that the patient is in and how we deliver the news. And we really think that that's the beginning of a, a good relationship and a supportive relationship with families as they move forward. Yeah, I know that here at our our office, where you're rarely at uh, because you're out there, um, 
there's all uh, the patient, new patient packets with the information and how much goes into making sure that they get as much information as possible without feeling overwhelmed. And that's true for the patient and the family members. I, I imagine that the coordination with the family members at that time is just as, if not more important than those conversations that you're having at that time with the patient themselves. Uh, and I think that's an important point, Tony. The chapter has worked very hard, you particularly, in making sure that we can devise our web page so that a new diagnosed patient can come there and find specific content and information that they're ready to see. We have, there is inf information everywhere about ALS, but our patients really need a trusted place to go and it may look like an easy thing to go ahead and click on our webpage at the ALS Association and see specific information for a newly diagnosed patient or any family or patient. But there really, there's been a tremendous amount of thought and work, not only from our professional group, but from the technical and support people at the association. So, you know, we really know that information is one of the first things people want. And providing that in a trusted way that's easily accessible is really what um, our clinic at Hershey, but particularly our chapter, has been trying to, to focus our efforts on these recent years. Yeah, I, I know that um, up in North Central PA, uh, Nurse Jen La Regina comes to us with a lot of ideas. You've come to us with a lot of ideas. Um, but that's something that didn't happen so much when you started. And it's not because I wasn't around. It was just, you know, people weren't getting their information on the Internet like they are now. Um, and when I started, we didn't even have email on the Internet. We didn't even have email with the chapter. So, you know, the, the good news is that uh, I might be older, but there's a lot more avenues by which we can provide care. Yeah, it's, it's good news, but also people can go and find all sorts of um, bad things, too, like going on and, and just an example, like someone saying, oh, you should do this if you have ALS. It'll help with such and such. Or you should take this... Um, treatment or this, you know, herbal supplement or this or that, and That's it's... That's an important point, Tony. Yeah, that, that we call that, when we do a diagnostic visit, I bring that to people's attention before they ever leave on that first visit day, and this is what I call it. I say that when they leave, there's a thing that will happen, and it's called the well-intended caring friends and family syndrome. And generally, families will already start to roll their eyes because they've already encountered that. But because there's no answer or a cure out there right now for ALS, well-intended caring friends and families are going to be all over the Internet and be bombarding our families with information about everything from beehives to, you know, potential therapies in far-off countries. So we really arm our patients and families a diagnosis with how to filter what we know is going to happen because people care about them. So we we have we give them specific contacts about ALS Untangled, which is a physician-based um, group that looks at all of the alternative therapies, and we really help people understand what they're going to experience as they move forward um, in sorting out information and trying to find good resources. Right. I assume that makes your job, in one hand, easier, not easier, but people are able to find out information on how to get here. They might know some questions to ask. 
Um, but on the other hand, you have to read up on a lot more things than you did 20 years ago and be even more on your game because if someone comes in and asks you a question, you're going to have to be able to answer something that you know you wouldn't have thought to answer even a few weeks ago. Well, our patients, I always say our patients know about it way before I do. Yeah. And they really come to us and then our job is to help them sort out the information that they receive. And that's another wonderful thing to be in collaboration with our research group because that in itself is a huge specialty area. And so I have the ability to say that sounds like a Travis or a Heidi or a Dr. Simmons question and we really carved out our niche so that we all know that we can't know everything but we can get you plugged into the right people with the right resources someplace on our team. And just like you said, that our website has to be a place um, that people can trust. Um, you have to find your own resources that you can trust, and you have to make sure that your clinic team is, you know, a trustworthy source, which obviously it is. But So you guys have to stay informed and um, be a place that people can come and feel safe to ask a lot of questions. Right. That's, that we tell people before they come that they have to really think about what's most important when they get there so that we can stay focused on their goals and we can answer their questions. I think you helped us make that big sign that's in each one of our clinic rooms. And it says, have we answered your questions today? Because that's what we want our, for our clinic experience to be. It's, it, it's the patient's agenda and that they feel that they've come to a resource um, that they can bring their questions and, and care problems to. So they're going to come to you and they're going to ask questions and one of the things that you're able to do as the nurse and that Maureen and Judy and everyone there is able to do um, is really listen and you know you were talking about it earlier. I'm, I know that a lot of your job is done by listening and you probably spend as much time doing that as you do giving back information. Probably said many things or 
did not see the value in perhaps a treatment or a way to stand or a way to manage a care in the home that we we as the the nurses and doctors thought might not have been the right way. But our patients have taught us the only right way is the way that works for the patient. Right. And everybody's different. Uh, so and everybody's different. So next we're going to talk about the walk to defeat ALS, the ice bucket challenge, and how the Hershey Clinic team has uh, really been evolving in the past just few years. Uh, before we do that, I encourage you to support uh, the Hershey Medical Center clinic team um, and all of the patient care services. You can donate to the Hershey Walk to Defeat ALS all year long at www.hersheywalktodefeatals.org or find a Walk to Defeat ALS near you at www.gpcwalktodefeatals. You can donate or get involved generally or volunteer or become an advocate at alsphiladelphia.org. And of course, we also encourage you to follow us on all social media channels at ALS Philadelphia. And you can send us questions, send us pictures, uh, find all sorts of information on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those kind of sites uh, to continue to find, uh, raise awareness and to learn more about the disease and how you can help. So with that said, just a little break there so you can take a breather, Sue. Um, one way that the ALS Association over there at Hershey Medical Center has made a difference is through the Walk to Defeat ALS, which is held at Hershey Medical Center. Um, how much of a big deal is it to have that walk there, and what does it mean for your clinic team, both the money raised and the community aspect that it has? Um, plus, you have you know one of the biggest teams. Well, we are we were thrilled to have the Hershey Walk. Um, well, it used to be the Harrisburg Walk when it was first started, and we, the last several years, moved it to the Hershey campus when the uh, new building was completed, where our clinic is housed right now. Um, there's, it's a beautiful campus, and we found that being able to hold the walk where the care is delivered helps people to understand the importance of the walk itself to support the kind of the work that goes on in the clinic. The Hershey ALS Clinic is a collaborative effort with the Hershey Medical Center and the ALS Association, the Philadelphia chapter. And without the Philadelphia chapter and the, the financial support that is raised from the walk, the Hershey ALS Clinic would not be. The, all of the services that are provided there, um, except for the things, the few things that are billed, through your insurances are directly relate are, are direct outcome of the monies that are raised and the biggest fundraiser for the South Central area is the Hershey Walk. So we know that without the walk, we would not be there and those services would not be available to our patients. If patients don't realize, and I must say that some patients don't realize because we make every effort to make sure that the patient has seamless services when they come to Hershey Medical Center. And sometimes they don't realize that all of the nurses from, that they see in clinic, the counselors, the social workers, the pastoral care providers, even the nutritionists are paid for by the ALS Association. It costs a significant amount of money to provide those professional services and to tie up a room at the medical center for an extended period of time for our patients to be seen. So our team knows that the 
to the level of services that we have. And we've been thrilled to be able to provide that walk at the venue where the clinic is, is housed. When we started the walk, we decided to have our own team and we came together in support of our patients to show that how important it is um, to the work that we do to have everybody come together to support um, the chapter and its efforts. So we have a team and um, all of the people from the medical center, the employees from the medical center join us. Our researchers, Dr. Kleiner and all of the people from his lab join us. It's an opportunity for our team members to bring their family members and be on the team just like our patients and families come together, our families come together with us. We come together, we, um, per, we uh, have a fundraiser so that we can make sure that we have a sizable contribution. We have a flower sale every year. And the other thing that having a team does is it gives our families an opportunity to walk with our team if they don't have a family team themselves. So the reason our team is so big is that we collect people along the way and we tell our families every time they come into clinic, well, if you don't have a team of your own, we want you to join ours. So the name of our team is the Hershey Clinic Best Care Anywhere team and we do have a large team and we've been very proud to be able to raise over $10,000 every year by our efforts um, at the Hershey Medical Center and uh, joining with our families. So the walk itself is a big part of what we do. We really feel it creates a community among our team and also demonstrates to our families that we are walking with and for them. Yeah, it's really exciting to see your team because of the caregivers like yourself and everyone else and also the patient families wearing the shirts together. It does make the clinic feel even more of a community and it I think you know one of the worst things about ALS is that it can feel so isolating especially if you don't have a large family network available to you locally so that's something an extra benefit you can give to people that they have a community to be part of and I imagine after that they're more eager and willing to do more things like be an advocate volunteer hold other events etc uh, so it's really awesome to see that, that you can't see in every other walk. Well, we're really, we're really grateful and proud to, to have um, the support of all of our team members, uh, our greater family at the Hershey Medical Center, and all of our team, our family members to join us in our team. We fight over, we fight over everybody being on our team, so I'm, I'm glad it's working for everybody. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, seeing people like uh, our old friend Leo James, who was on your team, and from there, um, he went on to be an advocate, he befriended his congressman, he went did, did all sorts of other things, held events, then maybe, even though he had a good family network, um, maybe he wouldn't have done all those things if he didn't feel as connected to the clinic, and, you know, had some support to be able to do that, because you need that when you have ALS. Right, and that's part of healthcare. And people people think that healthcare is just medicine or providing a wheelchair, but there's a lot more to it that goes on, uh, especially in the clinic setting. So um, you you see that kind of benefit that comes from there, and what's happened um, to the clinic and to you and to 
um, the patients and how they've been able to change. Um, do you think that also the patient families have become more connected in the past 20 years than when you started, the, the patients and their families? Because now there is the walk, there is the internet, there there's now the ice bucket I think, challenge. I think that's a good point. I, I, I think that the walks have been an Anybody that who has ever gone to a walk can appreciate that something magical happens in being with other people who are experiencing ALS, but being together in a setting where you're all focused on doing something. This is a disease where it can't be cured, but this having the walk gives people an opportunity to do something. And that is an empowering opportunity, and it gives people an opportunity to do it together. Not only families, but extended people from their work environment, people from their, we, we have team members and teams that come from their in-home care providers, their respiratory vendors. It just gives everybody a focal point and an opportunity to come together and really make a statement that they're supporting an individual or a cause. And it's, a, it's just an incredible vehicle and opportunity for bonding, which results in us being able to do more research, work for a cure, and provide more care. Yeah, that, and that's something that we wouldn't necessarily be able to do if it was a different kind of event um, or people just gave online. Having everyone come together uh, makes a difference. It makes a difference. It's an experience. It's an experience. It's only four hours of, of somebody's day, um, but it's it's really one of our highlights of the year. So you see that the community has changed, um, mostly for the better in terms of what they can do. The events have changed. The clinic has changed in terms of listening. Um, how have you changed of your perspectives on the disease, on being a nurse, um, or have the people with ALS and their families, how have they impacted your own personal development? That's a pretty, that's a pretty big question. That's a pretty big question. Um, and if you can answer that in two minutes, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think that um, how I've changed is that uh, I recognize Clearly, that this is not something that I that I can do alone. That this is something that uh, has a life of its own. This this is a clinic and work that Dr. Simmons and I initiated because of the grace and support from the, the chapter, the ALS Association. But this has grown. Uh, and blossomed on its own energy and resources in a way that I don't think Dr. Simmons or I could ever have anticipated and or planned or seen to develop this big. So I think that our contribution and our thoughts and ideas and work has been an important part of all this, but the program itself is way bigger than any one individual and bigger than any one program, but it's been the collective efforts that have really created this thing that has its life of its own. 
so, you know, as we had the opportunity to do this kind of podcast because of your efforts and the technology expertise and the interest of all of our patients, these are things that we could never have thought of uh, when we started the program. And we're really um, excited about the unknown, the unknown potential of how we might be able to care for people better, um, the unknown of, of new opportunities for care or hopefully a cure, which is what we're all hoping for. Yeah, that's so a- how I've changed is, you know, I, I'm trusting the unknown more and I need to be less of an expert and uh, to um, enjoy the opportunities um, of exciting new ways as, as, as we continue to grow our program. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, and maybe, you know, you don't know if that was how you thought beforehand or not. You know, at some point you change and you don't really know if you did or if you always had that perspective. But um, I think that be in the face of a terrible disease like ALS, and and you faced it head on for two decades plus now, um, in a way, even though it's a negative thing, the disease, you become a more positive person by putting more things in perspective, and it changes your ability to rely on other people that you might not have otherwise. Oh, it's the less, it's one of the big lessons that we try to help our families learn is that, you know, you have to learn that it's okay to ask for help, and it's okay to receive help, and, and giving and receiving are two, two parts of the same thing, and one doesn't happen without the other. So, you know, getting big enough to hold the paradox of all that, you know, helps us understand how to do this work every day and what our patients have to learn. Yeah, yeah and if they, can, if they can do that, if they can do things without being able to use their hands, you know, what can I do or what can you do, you know, with our ability? So it kind of puts a lot of life into a greater perspective, that's for sure. Well, Jay, Tony, I really appreciate this conversation and I really thank you so much for doing this work and sharing this with the other people that are taking the time to listen. I hope everyone listens. Everyone should be listening to Sue Walsh. Most of the time she's right, um, so that's a good reason to listen anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, that's you know, my kids about that, Tony. <laughs> what's that? That's my kids about that. Oh, okay. Well, I, as a father of one with one more coming, I think the kids probably listen all the time, right? <laughs> Uh, I already think that my toddler has a hearing problem, but they tell me he doesn't. So, so again, continue to support the Hershey Medical Center. Continue to support patient care at www.hersheywalktodefeatals.org. The walk's already taken place for 2015, but you can donate all year long. Um, at, since the walk happened, we've we've passed $200,000 for this year's walk, so kudos to the best care everywhere and everyone else. Um and then you can help out generally wherever you are at events, volunteering, advocating, uh, doing all sorts of things, or finding more podcasts, all at ALS Philadelphia on any social media channel, including iTunes, or at www.alsphiladelphia.org. So thanks for taking the time today, Sue, and thanks for 20 years and uh, probably a few more. Thanks so much, Tony. You have a great day. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye.